0: Voices of the Sacred Feminine, whether you're across town or across the globe, Uh, that peppy little number was called Maria by the UK band uh, by the name of Be Optimistic, and uh, Don't We All Have To, (laughs) Uh, and Maria, they are actually referring to the Sacred Feminine uh, in that song. Well, um, I hope you've got uh, something nice planned for Earth Day, uh, which I believe is a couple days away uh, on Friday. Uh, It might be something as simple as uh, having a glass of wine as you sit under the moonlight or uh, sit in your garden with a cup of tea somewhere, smell the roses, watch the butterflies or the hummingbirds, or who knows, maybe you'll even join some protest march someplace. Whatever you do, just say thank you to Mother Earth for all she provides us. Well, this past Sunday, I presented at uh, the Goddess Temple of Orange County, and um, like Uh, Like most of you multitaskers out there, the talk was both a message to the congregation about Earth Day and women, but uh, also the task fulfilled an assignment that I had uh, from this Caring Economics class that I'm taking from uh, Rhianne Eisler's uh, Center for Partnership Studies. Now, some of you might recognize Rhianne's name. She's been on the show a bunch of times. She's been in Uh, My Voices of the Sacred Feminine Anthology, and she might be most noted for uh, her work, The Chalice and the Blade. I know that was an influential book to me. It uh, was one of my foundational resources that started me on this path. Well, anyway, um the talk I gave uh, i think went over nicely. It got lots of um, uh, encouraging feedback. One woman said she loved how I wove together the threads of earth day women 's issues, politics, and caring economics. Another said uh, she was actually inspired uh, to go out and do something to she like, activated her apparently and uh, Another thing that happened was it inspired me to actually write an article, uh, which I just uh, finished uh, in the last uh, oh, 24 hours or so and posted it, uh, called "The Spiritual uh, Morality uh, Versus Separation of Church and State." Now. Uh, that might sound a little dry, but it's actually kind of edgy and kind of funny. Uh, so uh, you'll get a chance to hear that, or you can actually read it on my Facebook page. Um you, uh, if you look at my Facebook page You'll see pictures of me standing there In front of the larger than life size statue of Sekmet uh, At the Goddess Temple As I delivered uh, the talk Which uh, I call The Time to Awaken And uh, if you're interested in the talk I'm uh, going to have a special show To bring you the same message That I delivered at the temple on Sunday I'm going to be doing that on Friday Which is Earth Day That's day after tomorrow uh, So please be sure to tune in and uh, then I'm actually going to do another special event show, and share that article that I mentioned—the spiritual, uh, spiritual morality versus separation of church and state. I think there's a lot of food for thought there, and um, you know, I, I think you'll enjoy uh, giving it a listen because most of you people out there are your thinkers. And uh, just a heads up, uh, I'll also be doing uh, two interviews on Sunday. Yes, I am getting interviewed instead of conducting the interview. I'll be talking to Lynn at Prairie Land Pagan Radio about four o'clock uh, Pacific time, and uh, earlier in the afternoon, I'll be chatting with Rosemarie Miller on her show called Walking a Crooked Path. Um, I'm sure you can Google their shows if you'd like to listen. That's Prairie Land, Pagan Radio, and Walking a Crooked Path. Or just email me and I'll send you the link. Then on May 5th, I'm going to be doing The X Zone. Yeah, now that's a coup because that is a huge show and a more diverse audience to bring sacred feminine enlightenment to. Uh, I'm extraordinarily excited about that one. And some of these links are or will be on my Facebook page uh, if you want to listen. And, you know, I am just full of good news today. Uh, I guess I'm on a roll because I also got notice of uh, some really good press. Uh, This is not something that happens every day, so, um, you know, I feel really good about it, so I sharing it with you Um, I just learned that uh, from a publisher in England uh, that they're going to be a magazine publisher that uh, they're going to be running two articles of mine. Uh, One is an entire page with color photos talking about Isis as my mentor and the other is uh, my tips on how to form a goddess circle Uh, and the magazine is called Spirit and Destiny so uh, that's really cool. I'm, uh, I'm feeling and really good about that. And uh, speaking of uh, magazines and uh, free publicity and free stuff, uh, in a minute I'm going to tell you how to get some of my books free. Also, how to get uh, Sage Woman magazine free. So you just got to hang in there. You'll hear about it, and your patience will be rewarded. And to my new listeners, uh, because I know many of you are new each week, Um, if you don't recognize my voice, I'm your hostess, Karen Tate. I have been lucky enough to be named one of the 13 most influential women in goddess spirituality, no doubt because of this uh, show right here that's been on the air 10 years. Uh, And also, uh, Sage Woman Magazine uh, named me one of the wisdom keepers of the goddess spirituality movement. So Uh, That was uh, pretty cool. Uh, I'm also very, I'm I'm a very, very affordable life coach. Another service I provide the community. So if you're ever in the need of that kind of help or life facilitation, as I call it, you can think of me as a resource. And you don't have to be local because I do life coaching over Skype audio. You can even do it in your pajamas, and you don't even have to comb your hair before you ring me up, <laughs> because I can't see you, but we can hear each other's voice. Um, I'm the author of uh, Sacred Places of Goddess, 108 Destinations, uh, and what some would call its bookend, Walking an Ancient Path, Rebirthing Goddess on Planet Earth. So whether you're an armchair tourist or you actually are able to get out there on the ground visiting these uh, sacred sites of goddess all around the world or uh, whether you're looking for insight and ideas to live a goddess inspired life i invite you to check out my two books on my website karen Uh while you're there you'll notice uh, i've also written goddess calling uh, it offers inspirational readings and meditations uh, that suggest how uh, goddess provides us a new path forward a few of my favorite um Uh, Messages or readings or uh, an article, well, an essay called uh, Goddess Notices, and uh, I talk about uh, incidents where I really do believe, you know, we got some um, tangible feedback that Goddess did notice what was going on in the moment. And uh, there's another special one that I remember still gives me goosebumps when I read it. Uh, I titled it, I Can Hear Her Breathing. I can hear her breathing, Uh, something magical that happened when I was on uh, a retreat uh, up in Wisconsin teaching a group of women for the weekend. And uh, then there's my uh, resistance is futile, talking about uh, the connection between goddess ideals and actually Star Trek, of all things. Yeah. Well, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, those are uh, three of my books, and then there's the anthology based on this radio show, uh, which has received acclaim, and it uh, shows what a big umbrella ideas of the sacred feminine actually are. We've had goddess people on it uh, and in it, like uh, Jean Shinoda Bolin, of course, uh, but also uh, notable people out there in the mainstream world whose ideas are actually in sync with uh, goddess spirituality, and that's why they were invited to be on the show, like Noam Chomsky, Uh, Laura Flanders of Grit TV, Charles Eisenstein, Gloria Felt of Planned Parenthood. Anyway, you should check them all out at my website. And if you like what you see, I hope you'll buy books uh, directly from me. Uh, Yes, if you like what you see, I hope you'll buy books uh, directly from me. Um, Now, uh, I promise free stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, Well, your patience is uh, being rewarded right now. I'm offering a special giveaway. Yes, if you buy two of my books from my website, you will actually get a free copy of Walking an Ancient Path, absolutely free. So just contact me, and I can make that happen for you. Yes, you heard right. Buy two books, and you get Walking an Ancient Path free. Uh, Your purchases... Direct for me rather than Amazon helps me pay for airtime here on the show. Uh, So think about me when you buy your books uh, for yourself and your loved one. And you know what? If you keep listening all the way to the end of the show, there's going to be another special, and you don't even have to buy anything to get a free book. So you just keep listening. Well, with all of that housekeeping out of the way, uh, I, I uh, have as my guest uh, tonight a woman I think I have quite a lot in common with, actually. Uh, she's also a sacred tour leader. Her name is Gloria Amendola, and we're going to be talking about her upcoming uh, journey to France uh, that she's putting together. And uh, uh, you can be a part of if, uh You'd like to travel with her on this uh, wonderful adventure. We're also going to delve deeply into the concept of the divine feminine encoded. But before we start our chat, uh, let me uh, introduce you to Gloria uh, by way of her bio Uh, Gloria is an author, and intuitive, uh, who has a passion for esoteric knowledge and dream language. In her teaching circles, she blends the Western tradition of research and evidence with the Eastern path of meditation and going within for answers. She's a Reiki master, trained group facilitator, shamanic drummer, and uh, a clear channel for the voices of historical figures associated with the Grail Mysteries. Her travels bring her to sacred sites worldwide to experience a powerful landscape uh, and temples firsthand, uh, a modern day night Templar aligned to uh, Rennes-le-Château, France. she follows in the footsteps of the enigmatic scenes walking where they walked, gathering impressions from the traces they left behind. Now that sounds like provocative stuff. Uh, Mary Magdalene, Revelations from a First Century Avatar, Volumes 1, 2, and 3 are the author's first trilogy, a series of channeled books recording the voice of Mary Magdalene. Other titles include her two novels in the Tower series. They are The Tower and the Dream, Awakening to the Call, and The Tower and the Land, Awakening to the Light. Uh, Gloria is currently working on her third novel in the Tower series, and that's one's going to be called The Tower and the Well, Awakening to the Grail. Well, Gloria, welcome, welcome, welcome to Voices of the Sacred Feminine.
1: Oh, hi, Karen. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, I have to tell you um, that your trip sounds uh, so wonderful. I was running those commercials for you not that long ago for a few weeks, and uh, I've been to some of the places that you're going to, and uh, some of them I have not yet been to, and uh, I have to say I am so envious. Uh, why don't you tell listeners um, when the tour is and some of the destinations you plan to uh, to visit when you're on your sacred journey?
1: Sure, and actually, since we spoke, I had to shift the um, one of the tours to september uh, there was it, it was an interesting array uh, alignment of events, so the first one and i 've never done this one before although i 've traveled to these locations in France, this is an epic journey throughout France, the divine feminine journey into the heart of the goddess. And the gist or the essence of this particular tour is to really connect with goddess or the, uh, goddess sites within France, because France has an extraordinary amount of incredible sites and black Madonnas, uh, Magdalene mm-hmm. legends, of course, Lords, uh, which is wrapped around Mother Mary. But you know, Paris is uh, the the underlying um, foundation is that of Isis, and so we yeah. find different aspects of the goddess, of the divine feminine in France, and to string it all together in one trip, that's why I call it epic, because if you've ever traveled like that, uh, as I I take groups, we did that in England and Wales last year, and followed... The footsteps of the uh, Arthurian lineage, the Judean refugees, the Essenes, the Druids. On this one, it is really about different aspects of the divine feminine, the black virgin, the black Madonna, Isis. But also we're throwing in Joan of Arc because her story in my opinion, is not really told accurately, of course, like the Magdalene's. And then there's Mm -hmm. Queen Eleanor of Aquitaine who was considered a bloodline descendant who really interjected certain ideals and deeper initiations um, for us to elevate our consciousness, she dropped that in in her her royal courts. So it's really a very rounded aspect. And, of course, you know, the darker black Madonna, Isis, the connection to the earth and the mysteries. And so many of these locations are so potent, so full of telluric energy and ley lines. It's uh, it's really going to be... Very interesting. I'm looking forward to it.
0: So it's going to be in September?
1: It is now going to be in September, um, and the exact dates are September 2nd to the 10th, 2016.
0: Well, Well, that gives people a little bit of time to put some money together. I remember some of the destinations, well, you're going to Paris, so I'm sure you're probably going to hit the Louvre. And, um, yeah, well, you said that, uh, you know, ISIS connections in France. Um, If memory serves, because I know I researched uh, Paris quite extensively on my sacred journeys, I think there was a family by the name of Parisi, P-A-R-I-S-I, and, uh, you know, that name was somehow associated with their reverence uh, for ISIS. You know, maybe they even took that name uh, because of uh, their reverence for ISIS. And uh, uh, so right there, I, th- I think on the ground where um, the Church of Notre Dame is, I think that was, if I remember right, uh, you know, that was all part of what might have been considered the sacred landscape. Is is, is my brain foggy or is that accurate?
1: Well, some people do believe that, um, that it would be Notre Dame or Our Lady. And, of course, that's always a reference to Isis the Magdalene that greater archetypal resonance but also there's another cathedral in Paris as well that I think hits it even more on point and that's Saint Germain de Pray and that has some very interesting symbolism in there too. But I do think that ISIS runs through those different areas of of France. Oh Saint
0: Saint peace. I think uh, was also one that was that uh, I remember uh, was is also supposed to have ISIS connections as well. Uh, and uh, some of the Templars I believe were also connected to thankful peace. Um, anyway, there's just uh, when, when you, when you dig deep, I mean, this stuff is never on the surface. You'll never find this kind of stuff on a, a regular traditional tour. You have to take one like you're doing or I do to know about this information um so you know i'm glad you're you're out there doing this actively. I haven't led a tour in uh in some time, and sometimes I miss it and Sometimes um, I'm glad to let people like you do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I get what you're saying because sometimes it's an extraordinary experience and other times it can be more difficult, I guess, depending on certain cycles, moon cycles, astrologies. I mm-hmm. think a lot more people have done a lot more work, especially with the sacred feminine. So I do think that as people come on to these types of tours, journeys, pilgrimages, they are better prepared now than they were even five years ago.
0: Yeah, well, and you know, I, I, you know, I'm it's just from a practical standpoint. You know, for when somebody puts one of these tours together, it's it's an incredible amount of work, and then just dealing with the human element of getting people signed on to the tour and just dealing with their human stuff, you know, yeah. and um, and and you know, it's it's and some of these people maybe haven't even traveled outside the United States before, so they're needy and they're helpless, and the tour leader. You know really has to be their spiritual guide their uh, I, I mean really sort of take care of a lot of their needs and uh it's it 's really a demanding a, a demanding role you know it's, it's it always- is a
1: demanding role. I try to do as much as I can ahead of time, and I usually do have an assistant on the tour because I find that once I actually uh begin the tour, I feel like me as an intuitive and a practitioner and a group facilitator i 'm working on different levels and i'm and i 'm mm-hmm. definitely working in the psychic realms in the intuitive realms. And um, I, a lot of times when people come on my tours, I've already worked with them intuitively in session. If it's an in-person thing, um, past life regressions, we've already looked into the soul record of a fair amount of people, and that makes the journey very rich. So as we move along, I, my focus really needs to be on what messages may be coming in. We do mm-hmm. groups. We do circles, I do channeling and and so it's a deeper level of the tour in that way and i find that i enjoy seasoned travelers because some of that stuff falls away because it is mm-hmm. it's a big it's a big deal especially to go a, bit, a far distance away
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I recall the last time I took a group to uh, to Turkey, uh, I did it on my own, and, uh, and it, it, you know, it's this left brain, right brain shift constantly. You know, on the bus, I would be playing teacher on the, you know, with the mic, uh, you know, telling them about, well, where we were going next and the historical and goddess-related aspect of it. Then the moment I step off the bus and we hit the sacred site, well, then I have to shift into right brain priestess, you know, and... And uh, yeah. that's hard. That's hard day in and day out. And you're maybe jet lagged, and um, you know you're not sleeping as well. You're not in your own bed. Uh, it, it's I, I think more demanding than uh, than, than people realize. But uh, it can be a lot of fun and so rewarding. I mean, being in these sacred sites and uh, tapping into the energies there. Uh, I, I mean, these are uh, I mean these are things you're going to uh, remember the rest of your life. They're going to really impact your life.
1: I think so, and I think I think people that have been on tour with me have had that kind of expansion, and sometimes, as you know, it can take a couple of years to really integrate that energy in the memory that mm-hmm. awakens or the shadow yeah. self that comes up as a result of, or the genealogy that you may get to see on the ground firsthand and how that may impact you with memories or emotions. It really is an extraordinary experience, but I I love it. And also in the research that I do, in the writing that I do, going to some of these locations, there's nothing like being on the ground when you're a researcher like i find myself being this last 15 years of my life and um it it really like, like a case in point to be very specific last year in the dead of winter, I woke up one morning, having slept very deep and very long and I woke up and I knew that I had to go to Wales. I have been to England many, many times. I've been to Scotland a couple of times, but I had to go to Wales and I thought, wow, this is crazy, but I know I have to go. So somehow this will organize. And in that particular tour, the craziest thing was that the group of people, there were about 15 of us that went. The majority of us had a scene memories, which is Mm. a a subject in and of itself. And as we moved along the land and the landscape and by the ocean and in the waters, we remembered so much and helped each other. So I like playing on that with a group too, that it comes together. And then as we travel, we're helping each other remember. I just, yeah. I just find it fascinating.
0: And I think when you're with like minded people like that, you know, you can just sort of allow, allow, allow that sort of channeling, that sort of remembering. Um, and, you know, because it's supported, you know, uh, you, exactly. you feel like, you know, the people around you aren't going to think, oh, well, you're a nut job or something, you know, uh, because this is the kind of thing you're there to do and uh it makes it so much more potent than you know when somebody might be able to hop on a tour to france uh and maybe get it a little bit cheaper but it's going to be a world of difference you know going with a traditional tour than going with um you know somebody like you or me that uh you know we're we're, we're totally focused on the metaphysical as it, rather than you know is it time to get out the bus and go shopping now <laughs> you know? No. Um, right, that, right. That kind, exactly. That, that kind exactly.
1: Uh, I, and I think we're also aware of energy. And I, because I took tours years and years ago, I found that at times people had no clue, like when I was in Egypt, like no clue of what energies are alive in Egyptian temples and how they get activated and how they affect people. So for me, you know, I'm, I'm the fierce, you know, Sekhmet. I really watch out for my people psychically because I understand that level of energy very well. And even if they don't, it is my responsibility responsibility to make sure that they are – Protected, if you will, so that their experience can be explored and experienced. But, you know, we don't want to, you know, to see them open up to darker energies, which we know are out there as well. Because a lot of times, not in all the sites, but in a site like Rennes-le-Chateau, there's incredible light in Rennes-le-Chateau in southwest France, but there is dark. And you have Mm -hmm. to know how to maneuver those energies because they're part of the experience and you just sometimes can't separate them. I think you understand that.
0: Yeah, well, you know, speaking of Renly Chateau, I, I mean, we're going to, you know, as we talk, we're going to kind of, you know, weave in some of your destinations that you're going to with uh, history and mystery and this, you know, divine feminine uh, idea. You know, it's it's all sort of wrapped up in one, you know, like layers of an onion. And, you know, Renly Chateau is one of those places I've always wanted to go to. And, of course, you know, I'm sure a lot of my listeners who are into this kind of goddess thing, or even if they're... Progressive Christians or Mary Magdalene people—they know about the Le Chateau um, mysteries. And you know, with you being a channel, though, you know, you may you know offer more information or a different perspective on. What we can uh, historically find as proof, uh, but I wonder, you know, what was what is your sense of it? You know, with that whole mystery with the priest who suddenly came into all of this money, and you know, there was, uh, you know, all of these different um, ideas about was it black? You know, did he get money from the Vatican because he was blackmailing him because he found information about, you know, maybe Mary Magdalene and Jesus, and you know, there were other, you know. Uh, you know yeah. reasons for maybe him having found the money, and I guess I just wonder what what do you think? You know, have you gotten any in psychic or intuitive hits about what that was all about? Oh,
1: very much so. I've I've been there fifteen times, and I always can't wait to go back. Um, as a matter of fact, looking at a property there just because I am so drawn to the magic and the mystery and 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 the feminine energies of France as well and in the Redland Chateau area. But in in, in, in response to your question about uh, the priest Berenger Saunier, I do believe that he, given the fact he grew up down the hill in Montezel's, he would have been very aware of the stories the local stories of treasure in rennes le chateau, and when he finds him there when he finds himself at the uh, on top on the on the village there. It, it's just a mess. It's the, you know the, there's there's rain coming through the church and the presbytery and it's just just a, a mess and, and it's a poor village. So where is the money going to come from to fix the church, to fix the presbytery, to make any kind of improvement? Well, it is my belief, in all the years that I've researched and traveled there and done intuitive work there on the earth, that the priest did find clearly information, information that ran contrary to the official story of Catholicism at the time. And it was a stunning and bold and probably perplexing, challenging revelation for Saunier, the priest, to put together the pieces that he found. I'm not sure where the money came from. Because there is a solid case to be made that he was trafficking in masses, but mm-hmm. not to the extent of building the Villa Betania, you know, um, building the Tor Magdala, the Tower of Magdalene, putting this coded message into the church and completely refurbishing that, and bringing the water tower to the villagers. They loved him. All the capital improvements he made. There had to be an expanded source of revenue. I do believe that Saint Peace in Paris and some of the players in the esoteric society at that time could have connected him to money sources because it was in the vested interest of those major players in, in these families who were looking for certain items and uh, scrolls to find it, and Berger was on the ground. He could do the work on the ground with his with the help of um Abbey Boudet from Rennes le Ben, which is the you know the sister village of Rennes le chateau' kind of a male and female thing um you know in the in the earth itself rennes le ben the waters run Rennes le chateau is the you know the hill um the hilltop so very masculine feminine, even in the earth contours. So I think that he did find provocative and compelling information, and I think he tells the story as he improves the village. And I think the sources of the money come from those who treasured that information.
0: Okay, well, and uh, yeah, I mean that I find that very provocative, and I can't remember now where I read it or heard it. But supposedly, uh, not too far away from that area, um, there was supposed to be an ISIS temple. But I don't know if the ruins were ever uncovered. Um, Have you heard anything like that?
1: Well, some people believe that the Church of Mary Magdalene, because it's a very energetic location. Um, was cited over a temple. Some speculate that it was a temple to ISIS, but nobody has proven that and given the difficulty of digging deeper under that church, which really basically hasn't been allowed, only some limited GPR. Um, we don't know, but it's 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 believed there was a temple. Now, in, in one of the neighboring villages, Alet-Le-Ben, where the waters also run, we do know clearly that there was a goddess temple site right next to the old um, abbey ruins there by the Oude River. Again, that water, that fertility, that mm-hmm. goddess. And so we do know, I mean, I've, some have said Sibel, some have said Isis. And then there's one more location on the very top of uh, La Le, Le Ben, and it's a little tiny, I wouldn't even call it a village, but there's this ancient uh, church up there called S- in saint and it is believed that that could have been an ISIS temple too. Now, they have found ISIS artifacts in the area, so we do know that that veneration was going on in the ancient world there. Um, but these sites are on such energetic um, points Again, there you find that correlation between the goddess or the divine feminine and the earth energies.
0: Right. Well, and you know, something just hit me in this in this very moment uh, as we're talking. Um, you know, the French have always been such Egyptophiles, and you almost wonder if maybe in on you know maybe it's their DNA memory or something. Um, you know that, that their ancestors uh, maybe they were such uh, Egyptophiles in contemporary time because their ancestors were actually there venerating. Uh, You know, venerating ISIS uh, Throughout the country Anyway, it's just kind of a fun thing to think about Um,
1: Yeah, and there there were a lot of um, Retired Romans there And more affluent Mm -hmm. Romans In in France And a Mm -hmm. lot of them There was uh, was ISIS veneration going on And also we know in the Mediterranean We had um, a hodgepodge Of cultures That would have been influenced Would have been exposed to Egyptian Influences uh, Essene Gnostics, you know, all blending into mm-hmm. the Cathars. So, so that area of the Mediterranean, especially as it got closer to Spain, um, was was kind of like Berkeley, you know, just yeah. you know, or New York City or whatever is a melting pot yeah. of more advanced progressive ideas. That was all birthing on the coast yeah. there and made its way inland as well.
0: Yeah, and in short, uh that's another place you're going to go with the famous uh, short cathedral. Uh well that was supposed to be built on a pagan well. I think you're actually able uh, if you go at the right time, you're actually supposed to be able to see the well underneath the church. Uh I actually missed it by a couple hours and was livid. Um so I didn't actually see the well when we went there, but uh uh I certainly consider you know that a a goddess site you know a black madonna uh, down in the church and uh all the pagan um you know pagan history there
1: oh absolutely i mean we do know that druid worship was going on on the hill of shart uh, druid worship was going on for a very long time and of course the Templars would have known what the hot spots were. Uh, they made it their business because they understood not only earth energies, but how to actually attract them and rise them, raise them up from the ground, and through the use of pentagonal geometry and the flow of water, create a highly potent experience for the spiritual pilgrim. So the the whole focus of Chart was on wisdom, and wisdom is... Believed to be the Sophia, the the creative female deity, the divine feminine, was honored there. But you find that it's in its more current form. In chart, uh, it is still veiled. It's, still, okay. it's right there if you can. The funny thing is, is if you can read the code, if you can crack the code, it's right in front of you. You know, you know, you, you get it, you see it. It's just like being in Washington D.C. If you understand the Freemasonic perspective and understand what our founding fathers were doing, you go and it's like, wow, it's right there, it's right in front of your, right in front of your face. You cannot miss it. But until yeah. you know the code. It just just may not make sense to you. And Shart is like that as well. There is just so much feminine energy in the crypt with the seven rivers confluence there. Um, There is such a story. There's a Magdalene window there almost as you walk into, you know, to the right. And it's highly heretical what the story tells in the stained glass. But unless you know the story, you won't really know what this incredible place of Shart is telling you.
0: Yeah, it's Hidden in
1: Plain Sight Hidden in Plain Sight
0: Yeah, Um, so speaking of the Templars, you know, the Templars themselves Are a huge mystery, and um, You know, there was, and and Again, I wonder your You know, intuitive hit on this Um, You know, there's all the You know, the church propaganda About, you know, they were heretics And, uh, you know, and All of this stuff, and uh, Some people say, well, the church just turned Against them because um, You know, they owed the Templars too much money And they were too powerful, and in Influential, but then some say they had special knowledge that uh, uh, the church, uh, you know, wanted to suppress. Um, again, what, what is your take on that? A little bit of all of it or?
1: Actually something, something different. And if you can, if you can follow this as we, we were talking about these scenes originally, it is believed by those of us who have studied this stuff for a very long time. And, really had to sit with it for years and put the pieces together, that the Templars were a later incarnation of the Essenes. The Essenes Mm. being an enigmatic, secretive group, uh, the Qumran, Essenes, the Dead Sea Scrolls. But in their history, they actually go back to, to ancient Egypt. You know, we we can really trace them there. Is the Therapeutae, these these legendary healers, and they secretively make their way around performing a certain hidden function to the evolution of humankind, in my opinion. So they develop an extraordinary group uh, in the Middle Ages led by Bernard of Clairvaux, who uh, was really considered the second founder of the Cistercian order. And he was from a rex Deus or Essene family that understood these secrets that were passed down probably for about a thousand years. <clears throat> and they create the ruse of the, of, the, of the Crusades, you know, the false flag operation, and to, to go to reclaim Jerusalem for Christendom but what is believed by many of us is that they were searching for the family records they were searching for the genealogies they were searching for the gold and the scrolls and all the all these things that they knew were buried beneath the temple mount and they organized a way to get in there and dig now 10 years ago people would say oh you're crazy but they have found these tunnels and they have found the templar artifacts in the tunnels in jerusalem and the pieces are unearthing themselves literally and from that information and and the Templar connection to the Sufis in the Holy Land, when they came back is when they began to embark upon this great cathedral building in France of which Chartres was a part of. And that's why there's encoded so much information and so much connection to the divine feminine in Chartres, in, uh, in, in that particular cathedral, although there are others, because they were literally trying to allow the spiritual pilgrim to have a consciousness-raising experience, and they were using sacred geometry and principles that they found uh, connected to, to the Sufis and, and, and certain Muslim um, groups, and they brought this back, and so there was this cat-and-mouse game going on for for quite some time because the church was trying to snuff them out.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it, it it yeah, very very interesting. You know, I mean, it, uh, it I just I just find it all just this wonderful, this wonderful mystery. You know, uh, there's there's so much to know, so much to uncover, and I think once somebody discovers um, the sacred feminine and how the sacred feminine was uh, so. Um, so swept beneath the rug, you know, and hidden from us for so long, it really then, at least for me, and I mean, and I wonder if other people react the same way, you know, I I think, well, if that could have been kept from humanity for so long, then what else is being kept from us? You know, we're only getting the bits and pieces, and is it really true? I mean, we see what happens on the news, you know? Do we really know what's happening everywhere, you know? Did we really know what... Uh, if, if you know Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, you know what I'm saying. There's the there's the propaganda that they feed the masses versus maybe what's really happening below the surface that's you know kept quiet. Um, and uh, absolutely, I mean, I just wish
1: I and it. I think that you, I I just am grateful every time I find another book. That helps me understand every time I find another DVD or a movie or am able to travel or meet with a particular author or a researcher and see the network of people that have uh, have spent 30 years of their life on just one small aspect of the mystery and that we live in a time where we have access to all of that. I am deeply grateful. It is hard to know what is Real what is true and what is false in simple terms, um, I think a lot of what we 're told is manipulated i don 't think all of it is. I think some conspiracy theories are real. I think some are misinformation, but for some reason on my journey the the story the Jesus story has always been around me since I was a young a little girl, and the Magdalene piece, the feminine piece, the deeper mysteries did not come in for me until I was more mature, spiritually to accept these deep challenges to my beliefs my the religion i was raised in breaking away from religion and seeing the, the this veiled uh journey of the divine feminine i never in my wildest dreams uh, knew what i was about to uncover
0: yeah yeah um it, it it's uh, it, it's just incredible and and well and i have to you know i i i didn't intend our conversation to be so um, driven by sites but it is we can you know it it these these are places important places in history and you know they're so filled with mystery uh you you know i think my listeners would uh, be disappointed if we didn't um you know have this conversation about uh about these places so i have to go to Roslyn chapel i know that isn't on your itinerary this time but that whole mystery there about the madeline's grave and uh you know we, it, and you know maybe the uh, you know, the riches of the Templars were taken, you know, from Roslyn Chapel over to the United States and all of that stuff. Do, do, you, do you have an opinion about all of that?
1: I do. Roslyn Chapel is very near and dear to my heart. I was invested in the International uh, Order of Templars, an OSMTH order, uh, my commandery being in Rennes-le-Chateau, France, and I'm not one to join groups like that, but it was offered to me, and it was an honor to do the investiture in Rosslyn Chapel in Scotland. So, of course, I studied it. I've been there, oh, I don't know, at least three four times. And taken, I have taken groups up there. It's been a while. Um, what I believe is that once things were moved from underneath the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, the former temple in Jerusalem that Solomon initially started Enoch's vaults that 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 cache of documents and relics if you will had to keep moving because you can imagine who would want them
0: everybody right
1: i mean all the power players in the world really want that stuff and so I do believe that Italy plays a part. I do believe that France plays a part in Portugal. And then I do believe when things heat up in, in France and the king is, you know, forcing the pope to go along with him because he was indebted to the Templars and, he, and the Templars wouldn't even let him in the order. So there was a lot of animosity there. You know, they, they ferreted a lot of stuff out of, of it's believed, La Rochelle in France up into Scotland and from Scotland to Canada and the United States. And so there's always been this cat and mouse game in this movement of treasures and scrolls and monies and even i would go so far as to say bloodline descendants so when we get to Rosslyn, there is clearly an incredible story again being told in this tiny little chapel the likes uh, it's it's a book in stone it is it is like chart in its grandeur of its symbols and what it has hidden in it and more. And and not only do I believe that perhaps the remains of the Magdalene were there, it is certainly a circuit of where my unconscious memory and my research tells me that the relics and the goods were moved to.
0: Mm-hmm. So you don't think anything's still there? There's not really a vault there with treasures that the uh, the family is just hit uh, is hiding it away from the world,
1: you know hard to tell because when you you can walk over from Rosslyn Chapel to Rosslyn Castle and you don 't really get to see much but i've you know i 've known people who 've been In the castle and around it and they do believe that there are tunnels underneath other people will tell you well nothing was found and you have to really read a whole bunch of stuff to figure things out. I think that the story you know they've they've done tremendous restoration to the chapel thanks in part to the Da Vinci Code uh, and all the money um, that it brought in through all the interest in it and so they are preserving it and it is and again Another heretical story of a different, of the green man, of fertility, of the divine feminine, of the Jesus and Melchizedek and Magdalene traditions and so on and so forth, placed on a very energetic line. And also the rose line, which is a line of energy, they say begins in Rosslyn and goes down to the Languedoc right near Le Chateau. And that that, whole thing about Roslyn is really the rose, the Rosicrucian, sub-rosa, the secrets of the ages. It's just funny that that line exists, if you will, this this alleged rose line. I think we still have to decipher what was really being told us in that chapel. I don't know how much is still there, though. I think things have been moved.
0: Well, and I think I remember, um, you know, because when I was in France and Paris and doing the Da Vinci Code thing, there I think that rose line um, uh, goes through Saint Sulpice, doesn't it? Or is that a different Priory of Sion connection, or is it the same rose line?
1: Well, that's debated too. Some people call it the Paris Meridian. Some call it the Rose Line. Some say it's the same. Some say it's different. But yeah, that's that's part of the whole. Um, that's part of the whole mystery. And 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 as I had said earlier, that when Sonnier had found whatever information as one thing that he found in in Rennes-le-Chateau, in my opinion, I do believe he had to tap into the esoteric groups in Paris or was guided there. Um, And so they were doing, you know, they were known to exist there. There's a crypt in Sensel piece, I've been in it. Uh, It's a pretty interesting place. And, you know, they would have had the secret knowledge, again, that ley line, you know, sub rosa, rose line. And so there was, and there was there was a very curious connection, and I mean I know some really bright people working on this mystery, and the pieces just haven't fully come together yet.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, I hope in my lifetime, uh, you know, uh, the, the the pieces do start to fall in place because I do think it uh, it's one of the great mysteries that keeps me interested. You know, it really does keep me interested. Um, well, and uh, and I, I do want to go back to some of these, uh, you know, to the, you know, like Mary Magdalene and and some of these others. You know, how the the feminine divine is encoded in like the arc uh, of the covenant and stuff. But let's just get the destinations out of the way, um, it, one of the things you were going to talk about was the Divine Feminine encoded in Washington, D.C., and I know I picked up that wonderful book, uh, The Goddess in Washington, D.C., uh, and the name of the author escapes me at the moment. I've seen him on TV That's Alan recently Butler. Ah, uh, Alan Butler, yeah. And, you know, yep. I, I I mean, I, I knew uh, a little bit, but he really just sort of cracked... The egg wide open, and I, I actually went to the trouble of spending money to go to Washington to see if I, if in my mind I felt like I could really call it a goddess site, and you know just on the basis of you know uh, liberty at the top of the Capitol, you have you know goddesses in the Supreme Court, the Library of Congress is just filled with hundreds and hundreds of of you know uh, faces of the divine feminine, um, and you. Probably Probably know even more, yes, I think washington d c is a surprising goddess site. I mean, I think we think of it as like the seat of government, the ultimate place of patriarchy, capitalism, power over, but again there it feels like there she is in plain sight, you know, um, yeah, it, it, it
1: even those um, forty posts around washington d c the original diamond shape, the womb shape. 40 mm-hmm. of them, uh, I, think, I think there's a couple of marker stones still to be found. Nobody pays attention to them. Nobody fully understands that whoever was designing and choosing this location, you know, marked it. Well, first of all, they marked it through a spiritual meridian on the 77th uh, longitude marking, which they believed was a sacred meridian. And so, in its in its inception, not today, not as we see it today at the moment, but in its inception, it was kind of a goddess site, and they picked this this um, longitudinal marker, which they believed was sacred. They believed would imbue Washington with a spiritual sense, if you will, they outlined, you know, the outer border were 40 posts, you know, placed in a diamond or womb shape. There we go. And on the streets there's, you know, this pentagonal geometry. It comes up in Chart. It comes up in Rennes-le-Chateau. It comes up in Rosslyn. It comes up in Washington, D.C. It's the same knowledge carried forth and in its ancient form, pentagonal geometry on the ground mirrors the heavens and what it mirrors most in all of these sites is venus
0: yeah i was about to say i remember something alan wrote something about uh uh oh the alignment of the obelisk and something else it, i you know i can't remember now but it did have something to do with uh with venus do you do you remember that uh that those connections
1: well he made quite a lot of connections um what i would like there there's a couple of excerpts I, I took out of that book for tonight and here's one of them um so we're talking about the pentagon the five-pointed star that pentagonal geometry in chart in cathedrals in roselin you know in the land in rennes chateau which makes it extraordinary there that it's actually can be measurable in the land in rennes chateau You know, uh, and it can be mapped out. It's very, very real. So, in in Alan's book, uh, City of the Goddess, he says there is no doubt that whoever decided on the final dimensions of the Pentagon in Washington D.C. had a very good understanding of the basic linear measurements of the megalithic system. And the megalithic system was a system of measurement. FDR knew about it, of course. He was. you know, a high-ranking Freemason. And, you know, the the founders were playing with Virgo. They were playing with the star Sirius. They were playing with all kinds of incredible knowledge and and alignments. And he goes on further to say, um, again, and this, this is just another part of it with Venus, um, in some way that we will probably never know until the documents are seen and deciphered. There is an association between the Earth and the planet Venus that surpasses our present understanding. It is also clear that the feminine-based religion that predominated in megalithic times was expressed all over Washington, D.C. and New Jerusalem so he's saying that whoever he calls them the star families he calls them the golden thread my friend Thomas Murphy calls them Rex Deus, I think there are scenes the, the, the same secret esoteric group seems to have held um, the goddess, the feminine principles, they break down mathematically, pentagonally pentagonal geometry and however they were in the holy land, they were then duplicated in France They were duplicated in Rosslyn in Scotland. They were duplicated in Washington, D.C. And our founders spent a lot of time in France, and Ben Franklin spent time right near Rennes-le-Chateau. So they, I believe, were aware of these mysteries
0: well, and you know what's so ironic, and I and I don't mean this to, you know, take the conversation off track. I want to make sure we get back on track. But, you know, you so often have the right-wing Christians or the Tea Party people who are always spouting off about the Founding Fathers. I don't think they have a clue who the Founding Fathers really were. And if they would allow themselves to see these sacred feminine connections with the Founding Fathers, I think that would blow their mind. You know, because they're... They've got this idea that these founding fathers were the, uh, you know, were these Christian patriarchs when, um, I don't know, I have more of a sense that they're more what we're talking about here, you know, they were just kind of doing it undercover, so to speak.
1: Well, I can tell you this, will probably may or may not surprise you. It is actually believed that George Washington was part of a bloodline descendancy, as was Thomas Jefferson. I'm still putting together some of those threads uh, with other um, researchers who are doing, you know, that might be their particular slice. But the reality is, is Benjamin Franklin was a very active Freemason, not only in America, but in France and England. He was privy to extraordinary amounts of information. He knew incredible people. George Washington, whole other story. Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson was, these guys were deists. They believed in the power of the natural world, that intelligent design. And, and Jefferson himself—if you read his comments—oh my God, go online and look. He says some scathing things about Christianity, and and and, and he—not Jesus. He think, he thinks Jesus was a great prophet and teacher, but in the church he calls—he calls Thomas Jefferson calls them the Antichrist. <laughs>
0: And it, it is just so funny, though. I mean, you know, we were just talking a minute ago about how things get distorted and, a, you know, a propaganda and a narrative takes hold, you know, that, that you sort of dupe the masses with. And I think this is a perfect example of it, you know. I mean, you have Christians out there today saying, oh, the Founding Fathers, the Founding Fathers intended us to be a Christian nation. No, I don't they didn't. think so. <laughs>
1: They didn't um, I mean there was a you know there was a reason for separation of church and state they you know in a nutshell they understood the initiatory pathway as handed down certainly by the Essenes and the Rosicrucians with its inception point, we'll say ancient Egypt, I think it goes back further, uh, and resurrection rituals, awakening, spiritual transformation. And the reason they were trying to take religion out of the picture is because of what had happened with the Catholic Church in Europe. And they were trying to put forth a great idea, a great experiment of the New Jerusalem or the New Atlantis where people could be free and have peace and therefore turn their attention to the evolution of their self of of the individual and yeah. the enlightened
0: yeah exactly. I thank you because it feels like, you know, they wanted to elevate humanity. You know, they and they knew um religion, organized religion would just put people in these narrow little boxes of conformity and they would never reach that those heights. Uh, I mean, imagine the the utopia we might have if uh, religions hadn't uh, just sort of stifled the um, the progress of 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 the of humanity.
1: Exactly, and I think the upside of all this is that we're coming out of the age of Pisces and going into the age of Aquarius. So the impulse of Pisces, one of the impulses, you know, there's a a dark and a light, let's say, if you will, a dualistic. Um, nature of things at times, right, And mo- you know, until you uh, ascend to a different level and then things merge into a unity consciousness, but, and that was the work of, the great work of ancient Egypt, but, you know, the, these ideals have been handed down, and yet this idea of religion, most, pe- most people, at least in America at this point, realize that that was to control, and they don't want to be controlled, and the good thing about the doorway to the age of Aquarius opening is that Aquarius is about freedom and breaking free, and that's why I think so much of the information has really come to surface in the last 30 years in a much bigger way, and then the Internet fueling the acceleration, because we are breaking free from that, one by well, let one. Let me
0: ask you, and uh, well, well, you know, let's just sort of explore this in a little bit bigger landscape you know and and I guess I just wonder if you have a feeling about this. Um, you know, look look at what's happening right now in the United States with the, with the presidential campaign. On the one hand, you see, and I mean, this is just my opinion. I don't know what your politics are. We've never talked about that. But I'm a Bernie girl. And I really saw Bernie, Bernie Sanders and his message as part of the sacred feminine, as him being part of the paradigm shift. But then you have this incredible patriarchal uh, machine that is just thwarting him at you know at every every step he takes, and it makes it hard sometimes to. Have confidence that we are going to enter this age of enlightenment, you know, uh, or maybe it's much further down the road than, you know, in the next eight years. And I don't know. I guess I just—do you have a sense of all of that? You know, do you think what we're—I do, I do, I do. Up- and
1: I have my days where I get very frustrated too. But if you think about how Bernie has been able to get his message out there, he has really energized the Democratic Party and the, the stats bore that out in New York anyway on exit polling information. And so he really has grown. Uh, tr- his message has grown tremendously. Now, I will say this. Um, an astrologer friend of mine, when we were doing a circle up in Maine um, on near Our Lady of Guadalupe Day in mid-December, I asked him about the astrological chart of the United States because as we have astrological charts, so does our country. And so I said, hey, Leah, what does it look like for America? And he said that we are at a crossroads in America where our shadow, our shadow self as a country, is getting kicked up in our face. And there's nobody that's doing that better than Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. He is up that shadow you know however you fall on the spectrum with him he's kicking it up and so leo my my astrologer friend said we have a choice as we stand right now to get back to the principles of our founders or to go further into decay and so it's really interesting that we have ted cruz as a con- he's a constitution guy, you know I don't mm-hmm. agree with his policies, but I'm just saying we've got Donald Trump who's car- you know really just turning everything upside down, and mm-hmm. we have um, Bernie on the other side who's just been able to get out this incredible message. But the one thing that Bernie always says is that even if he were elected president, nothing will change without a political revolution.
0: Right, right. Right. And then
1: we have Hillary. So I think we're getting a real look at what do we believe, who are we, where are we going. And I don't think we've decided yet collectively. I don't mm-hmm. think we've figured it out yet. But Leo, my friend, the astrologer friend, also believes that we there's a very potent doorway opening on the winter solstice of 2020. And that just might be the Aquarian doorway. Um, and, and he's a pretty seasoned guy, so he's, he's probably spent a lot of time really considering that. And so I think this period and this next president who gets in, whoever it is, is going to really somehow or the process be catalyzed for us to either go even deeper into that decay and shadow and death and rebirth or say, hey, we've had enough. We need to straighten things out.
0: Well, you know, you're making me think about the people who are saying, um, well, you know, if we don't toe the line and fall in behind Hillary and, you know, Trump ends up getting the presidency and runs the country into the ground or something horrendous happens, then wouldn't that just make everyone go, you know, run – I mean, it's like – Uh, have everybody go run flocking to somebody like bernie or maybe an elizabeth warren in 2020 because bernie will be too old you know by that point it makes you wonder if it almost doesn't have to get worse but before the people who are asleep wake up and say you know we really deserve to have something better
1: well yeah, I agree. I think I think it's really a choice point for us collectively and that's why the astrological chart of the United States reflects this choice point. I don't know if we are there yet in terms of catalyzing like you were just saying or if there'll ha- if it will there have to be 4 years just exactly what you said of even worse darkness or uh corruption or convolution or whatever. Or have the seeds, has, Bernie, has, has Bernie's role been that of you know, a, a planting and cultivating seeds for a generation to say, hey, I've got to get involved more directly, and then maybe mm-hmm. it takes four years to see real, tangible results of that work. I don't, you yeah. know, I don't know. I, I'm not sure myself. It, it almost feels like the blank rune and the rune stones that you, you can use for the divination arts. Like, I, I usually, I was telling someone this the other day, I can usually see timelines and, you know, kind of what's going to really happen and who's really going to be in office. I don't see that quite yet. There is something afoot that really is different, but it has to come from us.
0: Hmm. Well, you know, I keep wondering if there's if the shoe is going to drop, and maybe Hillary gets, um, you know, investigated or arrested by the FBI. But I kind of almost think she's too powerful for that to happen. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, I, I wonder if any of your astrologer friends have done charts on any of them. Um, I know so much of that is really kind of, um, uh, you know, it's, it's not an absolute science, obviously, you know, people's, uh, personal interpretations tend to sometimes cloud it. Uh, but have you heard anything along those lines about whose chart more looks like they're going to be the one, you know, on inauguration day?
1: You know, it's interesting you ask that question because I remember when Obama was running, people had looked at his chart and felt like he was holding a lot of feminine energy and that that would be good for the country, that that's what we needed at that time and lo and behold he served for he's you know finishing up serving 8 years so there was something about his introspection and his intelligence that probably as much as a president has power because there are other agencies in the government but you know he he did bring a certain reasoned intellect that had been lacking and now you know i haven't heard one person really talk about the charts in relation to the destiny of America. I did have one woman in a group in New Hampshire the other night who said she had been to a workshop where they talked about the different candidates, but did not um, look at it in relation to their astrological profile.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I had a woman on the show who believed uh, it was going to be Bernie, but then I looked at some other astrologers online, and you know, uh, it, you know, I, I looked at as many astrologers as there are candidates, and everyone says something different. You know, so it's <laughs> it's kind of a and crash that's why I think there. for me
1: when I you know came across the information on Obama, I was I was pretty clear he was going to be it. At- he, yeah he he was going to be the person to step in next, and this time around i don 't i, I, I don 't see it clearly. it tells yeah. me some something is happening there because i don 't see it clearly. I can see yeah. what bernie 's effect has been on the process and on people and all my younger friends totally into Bernie. I can see the kinds of people that are into Trump and the anger that he represents, that people have. It feels like, um, you know, a very – I just had people here from France, my uh, author friend Dr. Tim Wallace Murphy and his wife Cindy, and they think, you know, they're upset because they look to America and they say, are you going mad? Are you crazy? Mm -hmm. This whole. Donald Trump thing they think is insane, and they're more, they they lean more towards Bernie Sanders, and, mm-hmm. and that's who they're focusing on. So the world is very upset, probably even more so than we are, or equally as so as to what's going on, and it just doesn't seem to be a foregone conclusion yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, don't listen to the Clinton campaign, because they've wanted us to think it was a foregone uh, uh, conclusion before it even started, <laughs> Well, thank no. you for indulging me going down, you know, going down that uh, that on, on that tangent. And um, uh, I, I know you wanted to talk a bit about Venus and um, I and and uh, its connection maybe to uh, the rosary and you know Catholic rosary, but maybe there was more. Um, what I, what was what was you know Venus was whispering in your ear? I think she it wanted was, to be talked I about. I looked
1: at some research today and tried to connect some of the locations and some things that um, perhaps we were going to discuss as I, as I was you know, looking at some books and sources and so forth, I kept coming across this connection to Venus. And from the very beginning when I started out with, well, um, I was looking at Magdalene's Gematria or the numerology in her name, and that certainly uh, refers to her as, as a goddess figure. I started thinking about the church in in, uh, Rennes-le-Chateau, France, the Church of Mary Magdalene, which is just an extraordinary place. People go there from all over the world to try to figure out the mystery. And I remembered my buddy Henry Lincoln. I've driven around the landscape with him a lot, and he's always pointing out the five-pointed star just below the church that's measurable on the ground in the landscape. And the five-pointed star is Venus. And he believes that that's why the church was rededicated to Mary Magdalene, because in the Christian tradition, she as the goddess would have been a representation of Venus on Earth. And Mm -hmm. so then as I moved along and looked at the medieval grail stories and the importance of the feminine in achieving full consciousness and the quest for the grail and got deeper and deeper into that that whole mystery, I kind of came out the other end, to uh, the divine feminine being encoded in the Ark of the Covenant. And it all gets down to pentagonal geometry again and um, numbers and math and all of it. And it goes back to Venus and Isis. And then you, you see a bunch of the same stuff in Shark Cathedral, right? Um, extraordinary aspects of the feminine there. And then when you asked about uh, mm-hmm. Rosslyn I mean, Roslin is known to have his representation of pentagonal geometry or Venus right there. And then we, we kind of ended with Washington, D.C. and Alan Butler and the City of the Goddess. And I was really taken by Alan's remark about the secret knowledge of the Pentagon, that this was so noted in a, that in the arcane ancient knowledge of megalithic cultures, uh, that these measurements were their were their modus operandi. It was the way that they metered out everything. It was there for a reason. And while I understand that that number and geometry relates to the feminine very clearly, I was surprised at how it all relates to Venus. Okay. Okay. Um, well, you know the
0: you know. And you wonder. I mean, there's just so many layers to the onion. You know, I mean, uh, it 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 kind of just boggles the mind. Uh, you know, quite frankly. And, and if and, I might
1: it, just say, Karen, excuse me, just because we you did mention the um, the rosary beads. I mean, I grew up Catholic, and my grandmother always had rosary beads in her hand. She went around yeah. the house you know, day after day, and she prayed her rosary as if it was like a living meditation, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And the
1: rosary is even a secret nod to Venus. The beads were in use at the time of the First Crusade. They're designed Mm -hmm. by the symbol of Venus and it is, it, it, there's a whole mathematical system in the number of the beads. I won't even get into oh. it because it's very detailed. But um, I think the book is Crushed The Goddess, Trail <laughs> Braille, and the Lodge by Alan Butler. And basically okay. the rosary was about the cycle of Venus. Why is that so important in all the locations that we were talking about? And in the sacred feminine or the goddess, what is it about Venus mirrored? from heaven to earth. What is that connection?
0: Do you think you know? No. I I mean, I
1: understand, you know, I understand it on a basic level, but I don't think that's it. I don't think all of these cultures and mysteries would have been based on Venus other than the feminine, the veiled feminine um, reference to it. I don't think that, that that's just it.
0: Well, and, you know, and this may be an oversimplification, but, I mean, we know we had a great reversal that, you know, for 40,000 years the human beings on the planet worshipped a, a a feminine face of God. Now we can, you know, we can say they worshipped a feminine face of God because they had no knowledge of science and they didn't know about, you know, man's role in pre- creation and they thought women who could bleed without dying was magical. But you know, maybe it really was much more than that, and maybe that's why um, the Great Reversal comes about because the people who um, were not in power you know, decided that they wanted to have a coup, you know, uh, that, that uh, you know, men on the planet just decided enough was enough and uh, it wasn't going to be about the sacred feminine anymore. I mean, maybe that's just crazy, you know. Maybe that's just oh, crazy. Oh, I don't think it's crazy
1: at all. All I would say is that I would add to that and say that, it, it, to me, the Aquarian age is a, is a feminine or a right-brained impulse. It's it's more about intuition and, among other things. I think there's something much deeper at play here that I, I personally, I'll just speak for me, haven't figured out. I understand the sacred feminine and the goddess and how this imbues in the Hermetic principle as above, so below. But I think there's something deeper going on here because when you can break this down to math, mathematical sequence, numbers, codes, It speaks to me of a very high intelligence. And if this very high intelligence was feminine in nature, then it tells me that as the feminine comes back and these higher principles are remembered again, we are also going, we're going to make a leap in our evolution, those of us who choose that. And it will allow us to express those feminine principles, if you will, the higher mind, the higher intelligence, the ordered harmonic, coherent nature of our world. And I think when we begin to do that, I think the technologies that will be created and the way we as humans can express ourselves will be much more expanded because it comes from a much higher vibrational portal or dimension of energy. Do you know what I mean? Like nature is so patterned on number in the Fibonacci sequence and it's perfect and it's whole. And I think when we remember that, how it's connected to Venus, I don't know unless that's the heavenly counterpart.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe when the heavenly
1: counterpart of Venus is fully remembered on the surface of the Earth, maybe that's the Age of Aquarius. Maybe that's the full fruition of the divine feminine once again.
0: Or, or you know, maybe it's just as simple as a shift from the yoke of the Piscean age, the more masculine, dominator, violence. Uh, you know, maybe it's just as, sim- as simple as uh, humanity, the cosmos uh you know goes through these ebbs and flows and you know maybe we're just um, it's as simple as, uh, you know, we're just getting ready to enter a, another phase when the feminine is remembered. And when the feminine is remembered, it, you know, it comes with all of these, you know, all of this enlightenment. And, you know, maybe that will go on for, uh, you know, thousands of years, and then it'll shift into something else. You know, maybe it's just the dance of the cosmos. And, you know, we're, we're going from one era into another era, like the Native American's have these different um periods of time, you know, these different epochs or whatever I f- I can't forget what exactly, they call them exactly. now.
1: Exactly.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah Fascinating,
1: isn't it? I I I just think it's an incredible time to be alive with all its challenges, with the chaos, with the beauty, with the with the awakening, all of it. It's so crazy, but it's an incredible time to be alive and I'm I'm so grateful that for me through the portal of the Magdalene I came into really a much deeper understanding of what the divine feminine or the goddess it really represents and i'm still learning i'm still processing but i think for those of us who choose it it is an extraordinary pathway
0: well you know i think the people who have been on the on this um hunt to redefine um and restore Mary Magdalene to her rightful essence, or whatever we want to say she was per person essence. um, I think they've been ahead of the curve, quite frankly. You know, because Mm -hmm. um, you know they they have been willing to have the courage to reinterpret, redefine, reawaken uh, her as sort of um, you know you know as sort of a symbol. I think of the reawakening of the sacred feminine and. Because of her relationship to Jesus, you know, I think it it doesn't just become the sacred masculine or the divine feminine; it becomes the sacred couple in partnership, which I think is the only way for our world to really move forward. So, whether you want to call it Isis and Osiris, or you want to call it, you know, Ma- uh, you know Mary Magdalene and Jesus, um, you know, I it, I think it was courageous for these Mary Magdalene people to, um, you know. T- take that mantle and try to awaken this new story for mary magdalene because i'm sure you know I, I came into it years ago um and and now when people talk about it i guess the point i'm trying to make is now when you talk about it well, people just accept it well oh yeah that's right you know it's it's you don't even question it you know but probably 20 years ago if you would have said that to somebody they would have looked at you like you were crazy you know, oh, absolutely. so they've been, the, they've been the trailblazers, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think it's a, I think it's a wonderful thing. I think we're going to find out so much more about what the Grail really was. And one of the the uh, things that we've touched on so much, but it, yes, I agree. The merging of the masculine and the feminine is the ultimate balanced. Uh, next stage of our evolution, because we know when we raise the currents within ourselves, you know, up the jed, up the spine, the masculine and feminine, and it meets at the pineal gland in the brain, something new occurs, so that duality that I was speaking of earlier, when you do the great work, Ancient Egypt, resurrection rituals, the Essenes, the Templars, the Freemasons, more in ritual than actual experience, but then swinging back around again through that divine feminine reemergence, rebalancing, that's when we go into a whole brain process. That's when we go into a holistic consciousness, as opposed to this duality that we have been holding for so long. And I think we have had to go through and and resurrect and rebalance the feminine with the masculine. I think it's obviously still going on, but the goal would be to merge the two, and that's where the leap in evolution comes from.
0: Yeah, well, and let me ask you about Lynn. Uh, I think it's Lynn Pickett's book. I think it was Templar Revelations. I love yeah. reading that book. I I read Holy Blood and Holy Grail and a bunch of other stuff. And I, but when I read her book, I really loved it because she made that connection between Mary Magdalene and Jesus were just sort of carrying on the Isis Osiris mysteries. One of which I think, if I remember right, was the resurrection of Lazarus. You know, as part of the, that was really part of the Osiren resurrection mysteries and i know back when i read it in the early 90s people poo-pooed that book i wonder if in in the last 20 years since i've i've read it has that become is it still kind of poo-pooed or is that become more accepted as a possibility
1: Oh yeah, it's definitely more accepted As a matter of fact the the depth of the understanding of that um of that sacred marriage is really it ultimately goes back um even the the jesus uh, Mary mystery and the you know the um the priest king priestess queen. That merging, the Isis-Osiris, there was one thing I had wanted to share because I thought this really nailed it. And this is from Freddie Silva's recent e-book on chart. It talks about the marriage of the divine masculine and feminine. And I think ultimately that we're going to the point where we're truly understanding that this has to do with the cycles of the earth, just like Venus is all about that transit and the cycle it makes in the heaven as it creates the pentagon or the star. So so this one part here about, um, if I can find it, because I thought it was brilliant the way it described that marriage. So in response to that, they were talking about a certain panel in the um in Church Cathedral, this is quoting Freddie, precisely lit by the rising equinox sun, the day given to the green man who revitalizes and raises the land from the dead each spring. We're thinking about the Isis-Osiris thing, right? Mm-hmm. The moment marks the balance of light and dark, masculine and feminine, the aim of every initiate of the mysteries the balance of light and dark, masculine and feminine. The symbolism was later portrayed in the checkerboard pattern used by the Knights Templar. Incidentally, the Equinox feast day was co-opted into Easter, which comes from the Germanic divine virgin Oestra, known in her early incarnation as Isis. It is the time of year when the masculine is ritually married to his divine feminine.
0: (laughs) Well, and, and you know, of course, that reminds me, you think of all the pagan dying and rising gods, and Jesus was sort of just the last one in the line. Exactly.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, So they're I, I taking just, it I all the
1: way back, and I think for me, when it goes all, I had to follow it all the way back to the solstices and equinoxes and cycles of the earth, and mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. ultimately what I think we've always been using archety- uh, archetypally, as an archetypal pattern, and yet right. these relationships yeah. and stories come along and coalesce, too, and
0: Explained. that's just incredible. It's, it's, thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I I have kept you so much longer than we t- than we planned. I I, uh, I hope that's okay, um, I, and and. And, you know, I want to give you the last word, uh, but I have one last question before I do that. Um, I'm thinking about France uh, and the sacred feminine and all of the sites that you're going to visit. And I wonder if you've given any thought to so many of those sites where we've had apparitions of Our Lady, who I'm convinced um, were probably some aspect of the sacred feminine, only we didn't call it that when, you know, this, when they appeared to human beings, or she appeared to human beings.
1: So, so, so then, tell me again. I'm sorry. What is, is there a question?
0: Well, well, I'm asking you. I wonder if you've thought about that. These apparitions, you know, in Lourdes or uh, some of the other places. I think in France, and I know there've been apparitions of of, uh, of Our Lady um, in lots of different places, and you know, around Europe. But you know, I, I know there are some in France, and I guess I just wondered if you've ever made the connection to, you know, rather than. I mean, look, when some people see, like in Zetan, Egypt, you know, uh, if you were a Muslim you thought you saw Fatima. If you were a Christian, you thought you saw Mary. If you were, uh, you know, if you were pagan, you probably thought you saw ISIS. And I guess I, in my mind, I started thinking just a little bit bigger and thinking, well, what if that was the essence of the sacred feminine trying to remind us? You know, because she had been swept beneath the rug. And here it was really the essence of the sacred feminine, something so much bigger than Fatima or uh, or Mary. You know, it, it may be, she here she is the creator of the cosmos, you know, the creatrix of all, the sea of being. And she was saying, remember me? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know,
1: I, know. I, I t- like that. I I like that a lot because... This year, going to Lourdes will be my first time. That's a that's a location I have not. With all the times I've been to France, I've never gone. And uh, you know, I have I, I have a bit of an issue with not only how some of these ancient pagan sites that were had very clear connections, like the Santiago de Capistello, that you know um, ends up in Spain, that the the Catholics co opted that, but in truth, it was a pathway to the stars. It was this. Cosmic creatrix, as you're talking about, this connection. And then it's later overlaid into this Catholic. Um, they, they just co-opt it. Mm-hmm. They just take it. And that mm-hmm. wasn't its origin, right? Even with Catholic churches in the southwest in the United States, you know, some of them you know, have Navajo underpinnings and, and so on and so forth. The sacred locations connected to the stars. So I like that. Concept because to me it is much bigger than anyone's religion, and most of these Marian sites then become very uh, Catholic. And then Mm -hmm. um, I had a friend who returned from one of the major sites in the world, uh, Marian apparitions. And the person channeling it probably was in in touch with the information or the the vibe or the essence that that she was channeling that you're talking about. But then when it goes through her filter, it all becomes Catholic. Read your Bible. Say your prayers. And that's not the point
0: right yeah well yeah i mean you know when i know when i was researching my sacred sites book that was one of the problems i ran into like when i was really trying to find sacred sites of, of say uh the polynesian goddesses you know ethnographers victorian ethnographers had got hold of these pagan myths and 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 put them through their christian filter and destroyed the real meaning you know or the real essence and um and you know kind of the same thing you know it it, it it becomes some version of christianity and it distorts uh it distorts the original story or the original purpose
1: i agree i agree yeah. and i think it's up to us all of us to whether we're visiting these ancient sacred sites or we're writing about them or we're speaking about them however that unfolds for us I think we those of us who feel it in our heart we have an obligation to remind people that you know that divine feminine impulse is universal it's creative it's you know part of the source energy of of our whole experiment here our experience the universe the cosmos and it really isn't religious it isn't catholic or it isn't you know uh, it doesn't it doesn't belong to judaism or or catholicism or any other religions it's really much it's beyond that
0: yeah it's more it's more about the essence of creation you know nobody owns it you know it is the 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 uh uh, you know like as above so below the end all and the be all you know it's it's uh is the biggest expanse we could possibly think of the cosmos you know the ultimate creatrix of of all how, you know, I, I agree
1: and I think I, I totally agree with that and I think religion actually makes it small. And it's just mm-hmm. so much bigger. And that's what we're reacclimating ourselves to is the fact that we can expand our awareness and our consciousness you know, quantum physics is showing us that with the wonderful research that they're doing along, you know, along the way to you know, what really is consciousness and what happens when we are observed or become the observer. I mean, all those questions that come into play, it's, it's so much about us being so much bigger than yeah. religion and, and certain other ideas have put us in the box. And we're coming we're yeah. out of the box now. Well it, and, and
0: maybe it, maybe it you know maybe we are finally enough of us or finally ready to accept this expansion. You know, maybe we just maybe weren't ready for it a few thousand years ago. But who knows? You know, uh, you think about some of yeah, the I agree ancient with that. philosophers. You know, it, maybe they were more sophisticated than us. But you think so many people weren't even literate. You know, so uh, maybe we're just getting back to the point where enough of us can hold. You know, understand the concept uh, so that it can reawaken. Well, well if Gloria, you listen to
1: if you listen to the. Um, those people out there who have talked about our ancient orient uh, origins like michael tellinger like um I don't know, some of the ancient alien episodes, uh, Zechariah mm-hmm. Sitchin on some level. You know, there, there's a whole host of people doing all that. But but my point is is that it, it, going beyond and beyond religion, it, it it is believed that we were more or there was a more advanced civilization on planet Earth. And when the Great Flood came, which geologically we can determine uh, through the Earth, that there somehow this more advanced culture either went into the heavens, back out on their ships, or into inner earth. This is where all the stories ultimately bring you. And that there was a dumbed down version of us who survived, you know, this whole Noah mm-hmm. story, mm-hmm. right? The Great Flood, mm-hmm. who survived, and we all of a sudden had to begin to remember who we right. were once again. Right. And I right. think, you know, about 10,000, we're almost 10,000 years down the line from that, I think, give or take, you know, with it, whether it was Atlantis, whatever culture it was that was advanced. And here we are, finally, we've picked up enough steam to really kind of remember who we are. And we're, kind, we're moving quickly now in leaps and bounds. And that's why I think in five years we could have the major leap into the Aquarian Age because – We're just moving so quantumly faster. Now, yeah, you know, We could tell, by the way, our technology is evolving so faster. That's just a, a representation of consciousness. So, yeah, it was such slow going for so, so long. And, you know, the Mayan cosmology told, taught us stuff. And, you know, Johan Kalman, Kalman had some interesting stuff to say about the underworlds and the numbers and how fast we were accelerating. Even Barbara Han Klow believed that in the past where it was taking us maybe – 400 years to develop um, evolve in certain ways by the late 1990s we were evolving in that amount in 10 years
0: yeah everything's speeding up
1: speeding up and that's why I think we're poised for a great leap in consciousness and it may be tomorrow it may be within 5 years but we are on that trajectory now which is pretty exciting and I think we're really finally remembering who we really once were.
0: Well, you know it's an interesting idea, and, and or maybe it's a crazy idea. I don't know which, but it, it kind of piques my, uh, you know, my imagination. So the great flood comes along and maybe destroys uh, a lot of the uh, evolved people on the planet. leaves us with the dumbed down version, and here we are uh, in, in our lifetime, so faced with dire climate change. Wouldn't it be interesting if this is just another cycle where the Earth once again Purges the planet, and we can only hope that those of us who survive this time are the ones that have the elevated consciousness and not the dumbed-down version.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, I know. Climate change is, is is a real issue, and it's it's just it is so interesting in our collective dual nature that as we would be on the precipice of this uh, disastrous. the the disastrous effects of climate change. On the other hand, we are realizing more of us, day by day, that we do have ancient origins. There is an ET component in some way. I mean, we have stardust in our bodies. I'm, I'm right my my new book is all about this kind of stuff. You know, it's in our bodies. I mean, it's primal material in our bodies. There is something to be said for that. And as we like come into clarity and re- remembrance, we're doing it with the other side of ourselves, the shadow, the underbelly, destroying the planet to the point where it's inhabitable. Which will win out? It's kind of like like when we were talking about the political cycle in America, what's going to win? Yeah. You know, we are yeah. at such a massive turning point in our evolution, and I don't think it is decided. Yeah. I, I just well, – Yeah.
0: Yeah yeah i yeah i've heard people say we're on the we're on the edge of a knife and uh you know it's up to us which way we tip ourselves you know will the uh you know will will our will our goodness and wisdom prevail or will we succumb to uh our dark side and our lower chakras <laughs> Well, Gloria, um, uh, I'm going to have to, you know, wrap us up now. uh, But uh, uh, I'll give you the last word. You know, please tell people uh, how they find your your books, your tour, uh, the work you're doing in the world. um, And and I want to thank you for a fascinating conversation.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I think the best hub to find books, tours, circles information is to go to my website www.gloria-amendola.com you can figure out how to get a hold of me you can see what circles and events tours books you name it there's radio show links of which as soon as i get yours karen i will put it up there Um, and that's the best way to to see it all
0: Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And listen, when you come back from the tour, uh, touch base with me if uh, if you have any new information to share, or down the road when your other books come out, um, you know we'll we'll continue our conversation. We'll just take it down a different road and uh, talk about things we didn't have time to talk about tonight.
1: Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I really, really am. It was a great conversation.
0: Okay, thank you so much. I appreciate your time, and I apologize. I kept you 40 minutes more than uh, I told you I was.
1: (laughs) That's okay. That's all right. Thank you. All right,
0: good night. Good night. Well, that was... That was uh, Gloria Amendola and uh, we had quite a conversation. It uh, got quite expansive. I hope uh, hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, so, a um, few things I have to do to wrap up tonight's show. Uh, I, I have a word from C- Joe Carson here. Uh, I'd like to read you a review about Joe Carson's new book, Celebrate Wildness, by Dan- uh, Dana Corby uh, in her blog uh, called The Rant and Raven. She's Says, uh, when people wonder aloud how the Wicca of Southern California became so much more nature oriented and wild than the British traditions from which it arose, the one factor they don't take into account, but should, is Ferifaria. Ferifaria, a word Fred Adams coined from Greek roots meaning wilderness festival, is a pagan tradition unlike any other, based on Fred's visions uh, of the divine feminine, the sacredness of Eros, and the potential for intentional communities that truly do no harm harm to anything it also draws upon themes familiar to wiccans such as sacred landscapes prehistoric beliefs and the fairy faith fred intended that feriferia should lead the world into a paradisal future in which freedom eros and play or the core values where that built by human hands merges seamlessly into the wild and the fey romp among us Celebrate Wildness is a unique, exquisite, and profound book. It created in me a sort of homesickness, a wistfulness for the idealist I was. We all were, back when we and the world and the magic were all young and fresh. Though it's a short book at only 115 Art-laden pages Don't expect to read it quickly Take your time Let it sink into your subconscious What bobs to the surface Will be wondrous And, you know, I can't help but think uh, As I read this description Of uh, Celebrate Wildness by Dana It's almost as if uh, Fred Adams Was ahead of his time You know, I I kind of feel like What I've just been talking about You know, this awakening We may have uh, ahead of us In the near future Is what Fred Adams uh, Was talking about when um, he created this, uh, this Ferraferia path. Anyway, Cer- Celebrate Wildness uh, is an oversized, hardbound book on heavy paper. It's available for $45 from org, And um, you should look up Ferraferia. It's quite interesting, especially if you're nature-oriented. And I'll spell it for you. It's F-E-R-A, F-E-R-I-A.org, org. And uh, happy birthdays uh, goes out to my dear sister Amalia Peck from the Goddess Studio in Escondido, California. I attended a fabulous 60th birthday party and croning for her this past uh, Saturday. Uh, Amalia is the most lovely and dedicated Isis priestess. Uh, It was such a pleasure to ordain her a few years ago uh, and give her her legal ministerial credentials and uh, help her facilitate her development as a priestess to serve the community, and she was such a beauty on Saturday, and the enactments of her crony were just fabulous, too, including an appearance by Isis yes one of the women did a powerful embodiment of isis it was really really cool uh, and the priestesses uh, sparkle and fox and all the rest put together such a lovely and magical ceremony and there was belly dancing too it was truly awesome so you know if you're ever in southern california uh near san diego or escondido uh and you look up on look on a look up meetupcom the you know meetup site uh, oftentimes Amalia will paste things uh, on there that are happening at the goddess studio and open to the public you should check it out uh, she also has a goddess studio um, uh, Facebook page um, and I also want to remind you I, I promised that uh, we would we would uh, talk about uh, free stuff Um and uh, Sage Woman Magazine. Uh, so Sage Woman Magazine, it celebrates the goddess and every woman and it has been doing so for 30 years. Uh, it brings the wisdom of women's spirituality to over 10,000 women every 88-page issue. Uh, for your free copy, no strings attached, all you got to do is uh, uh, pick up the telephone, call 888-724-3966. That's 888-SAGE-WOMAN and mention that uh, you heard about this ad for a free sample on uh, Karen Tate's show Or Voices of the Sacred Feminine uh, And you'll get one, they'll send it to you Or you can go to Sagewoman online uh, at sagewoman.com uh, It is uh, pretty simple And, you know, I was talking about uh, Goddess Studio before um, uh, I can't, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you about um, the uh, the Goddess temple of orange county is having um some changes down there they are evolving and um they are uh they will soon be uh, affiliated with the museum of woman dot us uh i don't think that a website has gone live yet, but I want you to know about the Museum of Woman, uh, promoting the power of woman worldwide for a better humanity is the purpose of the new Museum of Woman located in Orange County, California. People in partnership for a better world make up our wonderful community. Uh, we invite you to join the women and men of the Museum of Woman and what we are doing there, guiding humanity and creating a better civilization through life affirming and feminist values of peace prosperity, justice, and compassion. Revealing our human history, the permanent historical exhibits include major interactive installations of goddess culture and art from virtually every culture, from the Paleolithic to the present, while some a form of Mother Earth goddess, was venerated all over the world beginning at least 250,000 years ago. This important part of humanity's earliest history has been hidden from the public and is not taught in schools as part of history or even in comparative religion class. The only center of its kind in the world, the Museum of Women restores the lost portion of our full history to all of humanity, inspiring and empowering. Anyway, I will be talking more and more about that uh, as it gets close to um, its official opening. And um, in a few weeks, I will actually have um, the um, curator of the museum on the show, a curator for the Museum of Women. And remember, uh, if you like this kind of programming, uh, Blog Talk is not free to hosts like me. Uh, we see more and more how vital independent media is becoming uh, as the mainstream media is given up on journalistic in- uh, integrity because of uh, corporate owners. You know, they only want us um, fighting each other, and they encourage divisiveness rather than uh, the evolution of humanity and having us uplift ourselves and find the mystery find uh, you know the secret knowledge that would help us uh, evolve so uh, I uh, your contributions are needed and welcome you know I pay out of my pocket uh, to give guests a platform to teach and uh, share their wisdom uh, and if you'd like to help me out there are PayPal buttons on my goddess store page on my Karen uh website Karentate com go to the goddess store page uh, you can make a credit card contribution you can send a check you can use a PayPal button uh, any way you like And uh, you can always email me If you'd like to mail in a contribution I'll give you an address And my email is uh, Karen Tate 108 At ca.rr.com And I'll continue to do All the free things I do uh, This show uh, My Goddess Calling audiobook series Which you can find on YouTube uh, The free meditations on my website The classes and talks and interviews Are all there as well You can avail yourself of all uh, the sharing and knowledge uh, completely free. Uh, please enjoy it all and share the liberation theology of the sacred feminine uh, with your friends. But uh, remember, you know, um, just like we say, don't go to uh, you know, don't go to Goddess like she's an ATM machine. Don't always be going there to make a withdrawal. Sometimes you have to give back. There has to be reciprocity. There has to be that circle of uh, of energy flowing to and from one another. So um, I I love you, my dear listeners. You are gas in my tank. Uh, but if you uh, you know, I am making a call to you to please, and if you enjoy the show, please invest in it. Please, um, you know, make a small contribution occasionally. Because if many of you uh, uh, who love the show make small contributions on a regular basis, uh, that would help with all this work I try to do. It would help tremendously. And uh, now I, I promised your patience uh, would be rewarded With the opportunity for uh, more free stuff uh, Because you've listened uh, to this whole entire show And you're with me here at the end um, Now is where you can win a free, no strings attached Copy of my book, Walking an Ancient Path If you uh, are one of the first three people To email me at Karen Tate 108 at ca.rrr and tell me about yourself just a little bit, a few sentences. Uh, Tell me why you think you'd like the book. Uh, and uh, remember to give me your mailing address. You will be the winner. In fact, there will be three winners. Now, I can only make this offer to um, folks in uh, in the United States uh, because mailing outside the country is just uh, prohibitively expensive. So uh, be sure to just follow those instructions. It's as simple as that. An email uh, about yourself a little bit, why you think you'd like a book. And if you're one of the first three people, it will be on its way to you. And you can can read, um, you know, how I recommend you live in uh, a goddess-inspired life. And you can hear all about magical experiences and sacred pilgrimages that are in uh, walking an ancient path. So, um, I think... Um, Yeah, remember uh, to catch uh, my Earth Day show uh, on uh, Friday night uh, or later from the archives, uh, as with all shows uh, here on Voices of the Sacred Feminine. You can catch them live or they live forever in the archives for you to listen to at your convenience. And um, I think I'd like to close tonight's show with a quote from my uh, Goddess Calling book, uh, I wrote the Great She is challenging us to do what's right for the most of us for the sake of humanity, the sake of humanity and the planet. Yes, take that in, think about it. The Great She is challenging us to do what's right for the most of us for the sake of humanity and the planet. You know you might be comfortable, but maybe you need to start making choices that benefit the whole yes it's about selflessness okay well dear listeners as i said before you are truly gas in my tank i thank you for listening i thank you for your feedback um prayers go out to pat uh again for her continued recovery from that car accident and um You mean a lot to me, and I appreciate your feedback, so please uh, uh, keep it coming. And I'll close tonight's show with a little bit of music um, from Celia. And uh, we talked a bit about ISIS tonight, so uh, this is something new. I don't think I've played uh, in a while, or maybe not even at all. I can't recall yet. I think this this might actually be uh, a new piece. This is by Celia, and it is called I Am ISIS, Name Your Price. And remember, be with me for a special Earth Day show on Friday. Good night, dear listeners. Uh, Until Friday, uh, have... uh, Great week and uh, enjoy.
2: I am my sins. I am all that been. All that is or shall be. No mortal man has ever been but me unveiled. I